G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, Lyle Shelton, joining me on the phone. Welcome to another week, Lyle. Thanks very much, Tracy. Well, the government yesterday marked 12 months in office. Of course, it seems that the only thing that all parties can agree on is that the government did a good job when it came to the MH17 disaster. So that was a start from there. It all sort of went downhill, didn't it? Well, yes and no. Certainly the government's been getting a lot of points for its performance in foreign policy and the MH17 disaster is one. The way Tony Abbott has... Uh, stood up on the uh, ISIS crisis. Uh, he's, he's been given credit for that. Uh, Julie Bishop shown uh, as Foreign Minister leadership at the United Nations. So they, they're getting uh, plenty of ticks there. Uh, on the domestic front, they've um, stopped the boats, uh, which uh, stopped people drowning at sea and uh, will hopefully pave the way for an increase in our humanitarian intake. They've abolished the mining tax and the carbon tax. On the negative side, Tracy, um, they haven't kept all their election promises. Uh, we've seen uh, a tax increase when they said there would be none, and now admittedly that's on high-income earners, but, but nonetheless there were pretty clear uh, commitments made before the election. Um, so, so look, you know, it, it's a mixed result uh, for the first year, but, uh, but, but on the whole um, it, it's been a solid performance by the government. And in the last week in politics, we've seen Senator John Madigan call it a day as far as the uh, Democratic Labor Party was concerned. He said that the party uh, left him more so than he left the party. He has agreed to stay on as an independent, though. This was very intriguing, Tracy. This uh, Victorian Senator John Madigan, who who uh, brought the DLP brand back into the parliament after an absence of uh, more than 30 years, um, leaving his party, making a, a statement in the parliament. It, it seemed like uh, part of the problem was uh, some of his staff uh, uh, and even even a chief of staff uh, and other senior staffers uh, who were party members, but uh, for some reason not um, not getting along with uh, the senator himself. Uh, so, you know, some intrigue there. And uh, that's, that's not good news for the DLP, which had its best chance of rebuilding uh, since it... Uh, since it ceased to have uh, parliamentarians in the federal parliament uh, some 30 years ago. Of course, Senator Madigan, very vocal on issues like uh, being pro-life and pro-marriage. He's saying that he will stay on as an independent and his platform isn't changing. So his core beliefs, his core platform, if you like, will stay just that, pro-marriage, pro-family, pro-life. Yes, and they're, they're terrific platforms, of course, and he's done a great job advancing those and standing up for those issues in the parliament. I guess uh, where the difficulty may lie is when he seeks re-election uh, in three years' time, or just over three years' time, um, having uh, ha- had this disunity in the party, voters tend to take a dim view of that. So whether he'll be able to retain his seat as an independent, um, time will only tell.
Now, we touched there on some difficulties that may have been with staffers that could have been the cause of this. There's been other issues, of course, with many politicians and their staffers, and I'm thinking of the situation that has emerged overnight with James Ashby doing a television interview and making some claims against Christopher Pine. A bit of a murky story, isn't it? It is very murky, Tracy. This uh, goes back some uh, years now when James Ashby, a staffer for the uh, former Speaker, Peter Slipper, and uh, he made some uh, allegations of sexual harassment uh, of a homosexual nature against uh, Mr Slipper. These were quite sensational allegations, and uh, it was very politically charged because, as your listeners might recall, Peter Slipper was installed as the Speaker by uh, Julia Gillard, the Labor Prime Minister, and that effectively, um, his defection from the Liberal Party effectively gave uh, her more numbers in the House of Representatives uh, at a time uh, of minority government. So it was a highly charged situation. Uh, James Ashby's case against Mr Slipper was thrown out of court. Um, it was it was deemed to be politically motivated, and uh, so, so Mr Ashby never got his day in court. But he, uh, I guess, took the opportunity on 60 Minutes last night to make some accusations and, to, and allegations that he'd been offered an inducement by Christopher Pine, uh, the then leader of of uh, opposition business in the in the House. Now, Mr Pines denied that he offered any inducement um, to uh, ensure that Mr Ashby kept a job or that he would uh, be given legal assistance. Uh, so Mr Pines denied those allegations, but uh, it's, it's going to be very difficult to prove. Um, it, it's a he said, he said situation. Which begs the question, doesn't it, why now? Why bring it up? What's new in the story? I, I don't think there's too much new in the story, Tracy. Um uh, it's, uh, it is, as you said, you know, a very murky thing. Um, I can't see it, see it going anywhere. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those unfortunate things in, in politics, um, where, where these sort of, uh, terrible <laughs> situations are all aired, aired publicly. The, the fact that, you know, things like this happen uh, really does, um, does reflect poorly on our, on our politics, I must say. All right, Lyle, let's look a little bit wider politically on the world stage. And US President Barack Obama is due to make a speech outlining his direction that he's going to take against the Islamic State group. Now, of course, that that, uh, speech that he will make and and outline those uh, measures is set to take place on the 13th anniversary of September 11. Yes, um, this, this is really... A uh, very worrying situation that we've been seeing unfolding in the Middle East, uh, in Iraq and, and Syria for much longer. Um, and unfortunately, all this has only just come to the public's uh, attention since we've seen beheadings and brutality in, in northern Iraq. But this sort of thing's been going on in Syria for some time. And it really is up to um, the United Nations and, uh, sorry, the United States and, and uh, the free world to respond to this. Um, is this uh, Islamic State going to be allowed to, to stay in place? Uh, can it be contained? Can it be destroyed? And these are the questions uh, which, which must be answered. Uh, it's certainly clear that um, the threat must be met. It can't be left to, um, to uh, go the way it's going and, and to uh, meet its goals of expanding. So uh, this will be a very important speech by President Obama. A resolve is needed. It's going to be very hard to see how the Islamic State threat can be met without actually putting troops on the ground. So we do live in worrying times, and it, and it would seem that Australia is poised very much to support uh, any action uh, that the US might take. So, uh, so this is certainly a time that we should all be concerned about and praying for. 
Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.